847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's work, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. This episode begins what I plan to be a multi-part series of one of my deep dive analyses. Previously, I've focused on an individual score, such as Dragon Slayer, uh, and music for a series, such as the original Planet of the Apes and Lethal Weapon films. But in this instance, I'm being a bit more ambitious and expanding my scope to an entire genre, that being the music of science fiction cinema through the years. My plan is to begin in the 1950s, when science fiction really emerged as its own distinct genre on screen, Uh, Oftentimes, fans consider that the golden age of science fiction and devote an episode to a particular decade, at least up through the 1990s, if my reach doesn't exceed my grasp. Now, this isn't meant to be an exhaustive or definitive overview in any sense of the word, but of course consists of my own observations of how music for science fiction movies developed its own personality and how that evolved over time. To help me stay on target, I will try to restrict my focus to those most obvious science fiction movies, uh, those involving outer space settings, alien invasions, time travel, and the like, and not veer too much into high fantasy or horror, uh, which of course are often spliced into science fiction. Of course, in the 1950s, Marauding monster movies often uh, need to be considered uh, science fiction, so something like Godzilla can't easily be avoided uh, during my focus. Now, to get your ears prepped as a teaser for what I planned to chart, I crafted this special 10-minute suite, this oral montage, if you will, of the evolving sound of science fiction film music with samples from a handful of scores uh, from the 1950s through the 1990s. Now, for longtime listeners, normally, you know, I don't typically play such extended selections on my podcast, but I thought it would be fun to present this highlights reel, as it were, uh, of which I'm pretty sure everyone will recognize at least one movie represented. Afterwards, I'll reveal all the titles heard here, but for right now, just enjoy this journey through five decades of science fiction movie music.
I hope you had fun with that special suite of music I created from science fiction movies from the 1950s to the 1990s. I had a lot of fun putting that together, actually. That suite included music uh, from the following, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951, composed by Bernard Herrmann, This Island Earth from 1955, composed by Herman Stein, The Time Machine from 1960, composed by Russell Garcia, Fantastic Voyage from 1966, composed by uh, Leonard Rosenman, Planet of the Apes from 1968 by Jerry Goldsmith, Colossus the Forbin Project from 1970, composed by Michel Columbier, Logan's Run from 1976, composed by Jerry Goldsmith, the original Star Wars from 1977, uh, of course by John Williams, The Last Starfighter from 1984, composed by Craig Safan, uh, Dune from 1984 with music by Toto, and lastly, uh, the original The Matrix from 1999 with music composed by Don Davis. Even with just those brief samples, my hope is that you can discern the vast spectrum of styles that emerged for this genre throughout the years. Of course, the overall fascinating aspect of music for film and TV, too, is that it's an art form existing at a unique intersection, uh, part of that being a particular composer's style, or the studio and director mandates for the music, and also external cultural influences. Pretty much no other musical art form is such a gestalt. So while it may be obvious to some that science fiction cinema hasn't always sounded like Star Wars, and wasn't always scored with theremins, this genre in particular has allowed for greater musical experimentation than most any other in cinema. And kind of like a teenager brandishing their own budding personality quirks, science fiction established its own separate individuality from the rest of film music starting around 1951, with The Day the Earth Stood Still and its music composed by the iconoclastic Bernard Herrmann. Often considered the first quote-unquote grown-up entry in the genre, uh, and directed by Robert Wise, who later directed The Sound of Music, The Day the Earth Stood Still is an allegorical tale of an alien named Klaatu and his silent enforcer Gort, visiting Earth to warn us of the terrible consequences of our own destructive tendencies. Musically, Bernard Herrmann responded as to be expected, with the unexpected, if you need a refresher on Herman, I profiled him in one of my earliest episodes of the podcast. Herman scored The Day the Earth Stood Still in a wholly original manner, composing for an orchestra excluding strings and woodwinds, using instead around 30 brass players, uh, pianos, harps, pipe organ, electric violin and electric bass, and most prominently, two theremins. Here's the main title so you can get an idea of that unique orchestra. Here's the main title for The Day the Earth Stood Still, as composed by Bernard Herrmann.
That was the main title from 1951's The Day the Earth Stood Still, composed by Bernard Herrmann. Previous to this, music for science fiction movies and serials primarily consisted either of tracked library cues from another movie, or original music composed in the traditional symphonic styles of other features from that golden age of Hollywood. Through the theremin, Bernard Herrmann had provided the science fiction genre with its own haunting voice. The instrument was a 1920s invention by Russian physicist Leon Theremin, and had actually been featured in a handful of scores prior to The Day the Earth Stood Still, such as Spellbound and The Lost Weekend, both composed by Miklas Rosha. Yet, its application by Bernard Herrmann in a science fiction setting initiated a musical trend uh, that persisted throughout the 1950s. And to be fair, I should also mention uh, that in the same year as The Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951, the incredibly prolific titan of the art form, Dmitry Tiomkin, uh, also utilized the theremin in his lone science fiction score for The Thing from Another World. That was some music from Dmitry Tiomkin's score for The Thing from Another World, also from 1951, also utilizing the theremin. Um, and a lot of aficionados will know that The Thing from Another World was famously remade by director John Carpenter in 1982 as The Thing. The theremin became a sonic shorthand for weird science fiction, aliens and flying saucers to such a great extent that even when used in later homages or parodies, like 1994's Ed Wood or 1996's Mars Attacks, audiences collectively understood the reference. Interestingly enough, I also think that it was Bernard Herrmann's incorporation of the electric violin and electric bass, which could be credited with opening the door towards purely electronic sounds heard in subsequent science fiction movies. For example, 1956's Forbidden Planet, uh, which is the earliest example of an entirely electronic score, was realized by Louis Barron and his wife, Baby. Meanwhile, the traditional symphonic side of the spectrum was still being represented, yet what was emerging in this decade were more modern compositional techniques and dissonance, uh, often juxtaposed against the traditional sweep and melodicism inherent 
in orchestral scores of this era. For instance, the Juilliard-trained composer and piano prodigy Leith Stevens provided exciting and challenging orchestral music for another 1951 entry called When Worlds Collide, as well as he provided music for the 1953 big-screen adaption of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. Now, to go back to When Worlds Collide, uh, this was a George Powell production uh, directed by Rudolf Mattei and is a doom-laden movie about a rogue star destroying the Earth. In terms of its music, listen to this cue called Calendar Montage, uh, which is a sequence presenting the construction of a spacefaring arc for humanity. Uh, But in this cue, you can hear this persistent lumbering low brass being set against these angular string and xylophone lines. This is this cue called Calendar Montage from Lee Stevens' score for 1951's When Worlds Collide. That was the cue called Calendar Montage from the movie When Worlds Collide, composed by Leith Stevens. Stevens is is actually one of those versatile, unsung heroes of movie music, uh, as he also composed one of the early jazz-infused scores uh, for 1954's The Wild One, and worked in a lot of TV series. So two years later, in 1953, uh, for War of the Worlds, based on H.G. Wells' famous novel of the same name, um, and the recipient of many filmed incarnations, Stevens composed a main title that opens with a shrill stinger, really endemic to this period, and then he proceeds into a driving yet almost mournful string-led theme. Um, In addition, uh, there is this uh, creeping suspense and more shrill brass uh, textures to accompany the invading Martians. So this is the main title and the scanning eye from Lee Stevens' score for 1953's War of the Worlds.
That was the main title and The Scanning Eye from 1953's War of the Worlds, composed by Leith Stevens. I've always thought that main title cue would be a great piece arranged for marching band, but maybe that's already been done and I'm just not aware. I should also mention that Leith Stevens began the decade with a science fiction entry, that being 1950's Destination Moon. Um, that was also uh, for it was a George Powell production, as was uh, when Worlds Collide. For that, uh, Lee Stevens composed a more atmospheric orchestral score, uh, also used a Nova chord. But it's his later work on When Worlds Collide and War of the Worlds that I find most striking. As we advance further into the 1950s, we come across a series of It movies, by which I'm referring to movies with titles such as it came from outer space, it came from beneath the sea, and it conquered the world. These are some really powerful its. But I'd like to spotlight uh, It Came From Outer Space from 1953 as an example of what was a very common occurrence during this era of the studio system when uh, the B-grade genre programmers uh, featured music by a team of composers, all who often went uncredited on screen. So the way it would work is, under the guidance of a studio musical director, for instance, Joseph Gershenson was musical director at Universal Pictures, the composers were assigned scenes or entire reels of a particular B-movie, and then their respective cues were all sort of of a piece, often of the threatening, dissonant uh, orchestral approach, or an arrangement of a main theme uh, that one of the composers had composed for the movie. Notable composers who toiled on many of these projects include Herman Stein, Hans J. Salter, and even Henry Mancini. Yes, the very same Henry Mancini, who eventually rose to fame thanks to his light, jazzy touch for Blake Edwards comedies like The Pink Panther, rom-com classics like Breakfast at Tiffany's, and dramas such as The Days of Wine and Roses. This cue from Universal Pictures that came from outer space is called Visitors from Space and was composed by Herman Stein.
That was a cue from 1953's It Came From Outer Space, composed by Herman Stein, and incidentally, available on a collection called Themes from Classic Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films from the record label Verez Saraband. This was a collection released on LP way back in 1978, but it has since uh, been transferred into the digital era. I believe it is at least on CD. As an aside, during his early years of 1952 to 1958, honing his craft at Universal Pictures, Henry Mancini also contributed music to various horror pictures, such as the original Creature from the Black Lagoon in 1954 and The Creature Walks Among Us from 1966. So we can probably thank Mancini for this jarring stinger. And speaking of lumbering creatures, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, I want to turn our attention to a towering figure of 1950s cinema looming over the cross-section of science fiction and monster movie genres, that being Godzilla, an import from Japan's Toho Studios. The original Godzilla premiered in 1954 and kicked off a perennially popular subgenre called Kaiju, uh, Japanese for strange beast, and is a longer-lasting franchise than even James Bond. The primary composer for this series, its own John Williams, if you will, is the late-lamented Akira Ifukubi. His music for Godzilla was stone-faced in its seriousness, while other uh, Godzilla composers for later films in the series in the following decades brought a lighter touch or adopted pop trends of the day into their respective scores. But here is Akira Ifukubi's main title from 1954's Godzilla. That was Ifukubi's iconic and still-referenced main theme from 1954's Godzilla. Personally, I only ever had a casual interest in Godzilla and the kaiju genre overall, and did not often connect to its music. However, I do happen to like uh, the more trippy 60s and 70s installments, so I might include some of those in the next episodes. 
Returning to the other meat and potatoes subject matter of 1950s science fiction, the outer space-based flicks, there are two from 1955 for which I want to present the music. First up is Conquest of Space, also a George Powell production like When Worlds Collide and War of the Worlds, and it aims to present a somewhat realistic imagining of a manned Mars landing. The music here is by Nathan Van Cleave, a composer who was usually credited as simply Van Cleave, predating both Frank Duvall of Brady Bunch fame and Van Gelis of Blade Runner fame as singularly named film composers. Van Cleave was more frequently associated with comedies and musicals than science fiction, including uncredited work on Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Yet he wrote for Conquest of Space music of both military pomp and spectral beauty. What I will play here is his alternate main title, which is a fuller statement of his march theme, sort of a march of progress theme, plus the cue The Firmament, which showcases these ghostly female choristers uh, that he employed to represent outer space. Uh, So here's some of Van Cleve's music from 1955's Conquest of Space. That was two cues composed by Nathan Van Cleve for Conquest of Space from 1955, his alternate main title, and the cue The Firmament. Now, since I noted that Van Cleve usually uh, presented more lighter musical fare in movies, I also want to share his swinging big band source cue called Space Muzak from Conquest of Space. This is a cue heard playing diegetically on the space station, uh, meaning it is coming from a source on screen, and just goes to prove that in the 1950s, everyone assumed big band music would still be mega popular in the very distant future. So this is the cue, Space Muzak from Conquest of Space. 
second space-based movie from 1955 that I wanted to spotlight is This Island Earth, directed by Joseph Newman, and it has a plot that concerns aliens covertly recruiting scientists from Earth to help their own home planet deep in space. It's a movie that achieved a boost in popularity later in life by being the primary feature pilloried in the 1996 big screen version of the TV comedy series Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, at least for fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000, it brought it up to uh, to attention again. So this Island Earth is another of those instances where several uncredited composers wrote music for it, including the aforementioned Henry Mancini, but also, of course, Herman Stein and Hans J. Salter. It's another classic example from this era of the big declamatory musical statements, uh, plus eerie electronic tonalities. Here is the main title from This Island Earth, composed by Herman Stein.
That was composer Herman Stein's main title, From This Island Earth, from 1955, and the midpoint in our journey through the decade. This music is also included on that album collection that I mentioned earlier, themes from classic science fiction, fantasy, and horror films from the record label Verez Saraband. One fascinating aspect about 1950s science fiction cinema, and this is not a new observation at all, is how often it's obsessed with either exploring or exploiting America's hyperbolic fears of communism, the Cold War, and nuclear proliferation. You've got either invading aliens, possibly communists, nuclear destruction, thanks Cold War, or radiation-enhanced rampaging monsters, thanks atom bombs. And these movie subjects uh, sort of symbolized what was commonly seen as threats at the time, uh, mainly of, you know, people living in uh, U.S. suburbs. Also, I kind of think that the giant radioactive bugs, lizards, and leeches are essentially updates from the famous horror movie monsters of the 30s and 40s, uh, the Wolfman and Frankenstein. Musically, the goal was the same with these pictures, to generally shock, scare, or unsettle the audience. And the subjects of the movies were rarely scored sympathetically or with a sense of wonder. The original Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956, directed by Don Siegel, can be considered the peak of fears of communism being expressed in science fiction, as it concerns a plot of your family and friends uh, basically being replaced by placid duplicates that are birthed from extraterrestrial pods, sort of a thinly veiled uh, communist nightmare. The original score is not a patchwork effort, as with other concurrent genre pictures I noted, but composed fully by Carmen Dragon, a popular song arranger and frequent conductor of the Hollywood Bowl and Capitol Symphony Orchestras at the time. He's also uh, the father-in-law of 1970s pop sensation Tony Tennille, something I learned recently. His music for Invasion of the Body Snatchers does fit the mold of what I've presented thus far from the decade, that being the stinger chords, the staccato piano figures, the threatening strings and brass. So here is Carmen Dragon's main title from the 1956 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
That was Carmen Dragon's arresting main title cue from Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. In addition to his spine-tingling score, uh, Dragon, like Nathan Van Cleve on Conquest of Space, uh, was afforded the opportunity to write some swinging big band source cues for the movie. Uh, so there is this one titled Crazy Rhythm. So again, this is a source cue uh, from Dragon's score for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This cue is called Crazy Rhythm. was the big band source cue called Crazy Rhythm from Carmen Dragon's score for Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. So, as you can imagine, there were still more alien invasions and monster attacks dominating the science fiction genre during this decade's second half, including rampages by giant leeches, crab monsters, puppet people, and a 50-foot woman. Godzilla sequels also began appearing regularly. Near the close of the decade, there are more examples of musical experimentation along the lines of Bernard Herrmann's Day the Earth Stood Still score, plus a return of Bernard Herrmann himself to the genre. But in 1958, Nathan Van Cleve returned and imaginatively scored two relatively small-scale science fiction pictures, The Space Children and The Colossus of New York. Now, The Space Children concerns a helpful alien presence who telepathically instructs the children of Earth to save the planet from nuclear destruction. Van Cleef's uh, relatively small-scale score, thankfully released by Filmscore Monthly Records in 2011, was composed for three organs, a Nova chord, an electric violin, and several other instruments. Here's the cue called Brain's Message from Van Cleef's score for 1958's The Space Children.
That was a cue from Nathan Van Cleve's score for The Space Children from 1958. Now, in the next year, in 1959, the prolific and powerhouse Hungarian-born composer Miklos Rosha made his first of three entries into the world of science fiction cinema with The World, The Flesh, and The Devil. In the years leading up to 1959, Rosha was writing lush, sweeping, and robust orchestral scores for big-budget epics, costume dramas, and swashbucklers such as Plymouth Adventure, Knights of the Round Table, Moonfleet, and Ben-Hur. He richly scored the original 1942 live-action version of The Jungle Book. He also defined the moody, complex musical sound of film noir during the 1940s uh, by way of the classic Double Indemnity. And I also mentioned earlier how he had incorporated the theremin in two of his scores, Spellbound and The Lost Weekend in the 1940s, prior to Bernard Herrmann introducing it for science fiction uh, with The Day of the Earth Stood Still in 51. For The World, The Flesh, and The Devil, Rosha brought his sonorous orchestral sweep to the picture and in effect expanded the musical scope of the genre, standing in stark contrast to where the decade began with The Day of the Earth Stood Still and The Thing from Another World. The movie itself, uh, directed by Ronald McDougall uh, and starring Harry Belafonte, is an early entry in the subgenre of dystopian science fiction, as we see Harry Belafonte's character discover that most all of mankind has been destroyed by a poison gas of our own making. Uh, so he and the other characters sort of have to rebuild civilization. But here is Miklos Rocha's theme for The World, the Flesh, and the Devil from 1959.
That was music composed by Miklos Rocha for the dystopian science fiction picture from 1959, The World, the Flesh, and the Devil. Now, that particular performance of his music was by the Utah Symphony Orchestra and was conducted by Elmer Bernstein, himself a very famous film composer, who I've also profiled on this podcast. That particular performance can be found on a three-CD set called Miklos Rocha, A Centenary Celebration. It is also available from Veracerban Records. Dystopian movies such as this led the way towards later milestones in the subgenre, including the original Planet of the Apes, The Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston, and even the original Mad Max from 1979. And yet, despite this bleak plotline, Rocha's music is such a refreshing contrast to the sound of doom and gloom that primarily dominated science fiction movie music of the 1950s, pretty much what we've heard throughout this episode. Rocha's style seems more fitting of a thrilling fantasy epic, something which incidentally he would tackle in 1973's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. But that overall unsettling and downbeat tone of science fiction pretty much persisted up until that paradigm shift of 1977, which was Star Wars. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So for now, I want to close out this episode and the decade by circling back to that film music rebel, Bernard Herrmann, and his music for 1959's Journey to the Center of the Earth. Directed by Henry Levin and starring Pat Boone and James Mason, Journey to the Center of the Earth was based on the inimitable 1864 novel by the literary titan Jules Verne. This is one of those movies which really straddles several genres. Seeing how its story is set in 1880, it's kind of like science fiction as a period piece, with a dollop of giant monsters. This style of science fiction as a Victorian-era period piece is territory-favored by uh, authors both Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, um, and is responsible for inspiring the science fiction subgenre called steampunk, which is essentially a Jules Verne fever dream. So Bernard Herrmann was fresh off his energetic, colorful symphonic score for 1958's The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and he had proven himself a natural for movies with fantastic or otherworldly settings. With Journey to the Center of the Earth, he experimented again with unique instrumental combinations, this time utilizing an orchestra of woodwinds, brass, harps, and percussion, and five large organs. Herman's goal was nothing less than the lowest registers possible in order to symbolize a terrifying descent into the planet. Here is a brief suite of cues Uh, from Bernard Herrmann's music for Journey to the Center of the Earth. These are the cues Mountaintop, Sunrise, and Whirlpool. Uh, So again, this is some of Bernard Herrmann's music for the 1959 version of Journey to the Center of the Earth.
That was a short suite of music from Bernard Herrmann's score for Journey to the Center of the Earth, as unorthodox a manner for the composer to close out the 1950s as he began it with The Day the Earth Stood Still. As you might ascertain, science fiction movie music from the 1950s was of two minds. There was still the continuing traditional symphonic orchestral sound being utilized for B-movies as it was for most standard A-movies, thanks to the studios having their own in-house orchestra back then. But simultaneously, science fiction cinema was charting its own distinct path by incorporating electronic textures, dissonant tonalities, and more modern concert classical techniques. In the forthcoming episodes, you'll hear that it was the latter musical approach that became more prominent for the following two decades. Then, by the time we reached the late 1970s and John Williams' swashbuckling post-romantic score for Star Wars, it will be evident how this spun the entire genre in a 180. In a way, the forward-looking musical style began looking backwards towards an approach normally applied to pirate movies and historical epics of the 30s and 40s. I want to thank everyone for listening today to this episode. I hope it was as fun for you as it was for me to start an exploration, this trek, if you will, into the music of science fiction cinema through the decades. The next episode should be focused on the 1960s specifically, listening for what is unique and memorable in the genre, and what continues the sonic lineage forward from the 1950s. One correction I need to make uh, is regarding the year I noted for The Creature Walks Among Us. It's 1956, not 1966, which I noticed I misspoke uh, when I was reviewing uh, this episode. Music excerpts heard in this episode were from the following films. The Day the Earth Stood Still and Journey to the Center of the Earth, both composed by Bernard Herrmann. The Thing from Another World by Dmitry Tiomkin. Forbidden Planet by Louis and Bebe Baron. When Worlds Collide and The War of the Worlds, both composed by Leith Stevens. It Came from Outer Space, music by Herman Stein and Henry Mancini. The Creature from the Black Lagoon, music by Henry Mancini. Godzilla from 1954, composed by Akira Ifukubi. Conquest of Space and the Space Children, both composed by Nathan Van Cleve. This Island Earth by Herman Stein. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, by Carmen Dragon, The World, the Flesh, and the Devil by Miklos Rocha. And for that opening suite of musical highlights that I presented, I listed those credits at the top of the episode, but I can list them again on my blog and the website. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at escortasettlepodcast at gmail.com, find the blog at escortasettle.blogspot.com, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash score to settle and on twitter at score to settle pod that's score the number two settle pod if you listen to the show by way of itunes feel free to leave a rating and a review i always appreciate that and of course the podcast is available on spotify thanks again for listening 